This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Bismillah wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So we... Um, the last few days uh, have been very, very um, complicated, uh, very stressful, um, very uh, confusing, very honestly, very overwhelming. Uh, and it all kind of came to a head uh, this morning. And since that particular time, uh, Mufti Kamani and I uh, have been talking for a couple of hours and I've been on the phone pretty much nonstop as well, conference calls and things like that. And um, as this whole situation was developing in regards to Umrah and, uh, you know, there being um, the potential for a pandemic and all these different kinds of concerns and governments and um, all kinds of different companies and government agencies all scrambling to try to figure out how to navigate this whole situation. Uh, we've been talking about it. We've been discussing it, obviously, because we have an Umrah group uh, w- that had about 150 people that we were supposed to depart in about four days on Thursday, even outside of our own Qalam Umrah group. Uh, people are reaching out, people are asking questions, people are trying to understand exactly what's going on. Uh, Pretty much every classroom that we've been going in, um, students have been very curious and have had a curiosity as to exactly what's going on and how do we understand this and how do we make sense of all of this. And that led us to basically realizing that maybe it would be fruitful for us to have a little bit of a general discussion not just specifically relegated to the Qalam Umrah group, uh, but just have a very general discussion about this. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, provide that discussion online uh, so that anyone who's out there who's also trying to understand this issue and maybe even dealing with this issue uh, personally uh, because they're not able to go for Umrah or whatever the case is, this can maybe provide some understanding and some consolation for them. But then also um, the instructors also had the idea that this is also a good learning opportunity for our students um, and a good discussion amongst uh, our students. So alhamdulillah, we thought that we would gather all the students together here at the Qalam Seminary and that we would have this discussion. So um, I'll kind of get the ball rolling uh, and kind of get things started. And then Mufti Kamani and Sheikh Mikail will also jump in here, inshallah. Uh, The first thing I wanted to basically talk about is what's happening right now is that, and I'm not going to get into a lot of the technical details and specifics of it. It's not my background. I'm not a medical health professional. I'm not a government official. I'm not a part of the travel industry. So I'll be speaking about it as a layperson. But essentially what it is is that there is, there's some very, very serious concern. Uh, about people getting very, very sick and disease spreading and things of that nature. And that has led to a lot of precautions being put into place and a lot of governmental restrictions being put into place. 
And that has ultimately resulted in people not being allowed into originally they had not they were not being allowed into the city of Mecca for the last couple of days and now officially they're not also being allowed into the city of Medina either. Um, and people are being completely blocked from going in. Um, uh, a lot of folks are just being turned back from their connections, whether it be Istanbul or Dubai or who, wherever it is. Um, and even if they are landing into Jeddah or Riyadh or whatever the case is, um, they're basically turning them back from there. Um, and so essentially people are not being able to go and perform Umrah. And the first thing that we always do as Muslims is we go to our sacred sources. We go to the book of Allah, the Quran. We go to the life, the seerah, the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam to see if we can find any kind of precedence, any kind of guidance, any kind of insight into this and how to handle this and how to approach this. And what we find is something actually quite profound. In the sixth year of Hijrah, Six years after the Prophet ﷺ performed the migration and moved to Medina Munawwara from Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ said, I missed the Kaaba, we need to go and perform Umrah. And he gathered 1,400 companions together and they went to go perform Umrah. They were in Ihram. They passed the Miqat. They were in Ihram. Labbaik Allahumma labbaik. They were right outside of Mecca at a place called Hudaybiyah. Um, and there they were stopped by Meccan military forces. And they were told that you will not be allowed to enter into Mecca because at that point in time in the sixth year, Mecca and Medina, the Muslims and the Quraysh, had a very antagonistic uh, relationship. Uh, Their dynamic was very, very highly confrontational and antagonistic. They were enemies. So they said you will not be allowed to enter. There, it's a longer story about everything that basically happened and transpired with Uthman bin Affan anhu and the oath under the tree and so on and so forth. That isn't really particularly pertinent and relevant to this discussion, so I'm going to move past some of those details. You can go and listen to, you know, uh, Mufti Kamani's Sira lectures, uh, the Sira podcast. You can find that detail there. But the relevant part of it is this. They ultimately said, we're not going to let you pass. You're not going to be allowed to enter. Much like the situation right now. I can be belligerent. I can show up at JFK. And I can be like, I'm boarding that plane and that flight. And they might just say, no, that flight is canceled. There is no plane to board. And I said, I'm walking out of that jetway. And they'll say, yeah, you walk out of that jetway onto the runway, but there's no plane. You're not boarding. You're not going to be allowed. Or I board, and when I land there, they say, "You're you're not leaving the airport. Or if you're not entering into Mecca. So it's one of those kinds of situations. You're not going to be allowed to go. It's out of my hands. I'm, they're not going to let me go. The Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba were there in the Mecca and said, that's one thing that's not happening. Y'all are not entering Mecca today. That's not going to happen. The Prophet ﷺ was always inclined towards peace. And there's kind of a lesson here, and Mufti Kamani will talk about this, but in Islam, we do have the mindset of precaution. Precaution, and safety, and well-being. لا تتمنوا لقاء العدو بل الله العافية The Prophet ﷺ told us to always seek well-being. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, if they offer peace, I will take peace. And they came, and the Treaty of Hudaybiyah occurred, in which they said, you do not get to enter Mecca right now, you got to go back home. Y'all can come do Umrah next year. 
which uh, Sheikh will talk about later. But at that point in time, the Sahaba were heartbroken. They were devastated. Heads hung low, tears streaming down their faces. Just heartbroken. Right? That I wanted to see the house of Allah. These were many, many of them were Meccans who had not seen their home and had not seen the Kaaba for six years. And many of them were Medinans who had never seen the Kaaba at all. First time. Just like many people are probably going for Umrah right now. Many of them were first timers. Many of them were going back second, third, fourth time. We're going back after 10 years. So there's we, we our brothers and sisters, our, our role models, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they dealt with this before. And they were heartbroken and the Prophet said, guys, we've got to go home. This is the decree of Allah. We're going home. And very with a heavy heart because they were so obedient to the Prophet They got up and they you know, shaved their head, sacrificed their animal, shaved their head, undid their ihram, cleaned up, changed their clothes, and started going back. But you could see that cloud kind of hanging over the group. People's feet were kind of dragging, their heads were lowered, their eyes were filled with their tears. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse of the Qur'an, إِنَّا فَتَحْنَا لَكَ مُبِينَا That this is a victory. It might feel like a defeat in the moment, but this is a victory. So we're never defeated by our circumstances. We're people of iman, we're people of faith, we're connected to something so much greater. We're connected to Allah, we are never defeated by our circumstances. And in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Prophet لَقَدْ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ رَسُولَهُ الرُّؤْيَا بِالْحَقِّ لَتَدْخُلُنَّ الْمَسْجِدَ الْحَرَامَ إِن شَاءَ اللَّهُ آمِنِينَ مُحَلِّقِينَ رُؤُسَكُمْ وَمُقَصِّرِينَ لَا تَخَافُمْ That God shall fulfill the dream of the messenger. You will enter the Kaaba, the Haram, safe and sound. And that dream will come true. And it did indeed come true. A year to the date, they went back and they were able to perform the Umrah. And a year after that, all of Mecca came into the fold of Islam. Allah. And two years after that, 125,000 plus Sahaba gathered together and performed Hajj with the Prophet From there it was all uphill. It seemed like a little temporary setback. And then it was win after win after win after win. So sometimes these moments are there to test our resolve, to bring out the best in us. But ultimately, we put our faith and trust in Allah and we're never demoralized by our circumstance and our situation. Um, so, this whole idea of preparing to go for Umrah and preparing to go for Hajj sometimes, it's so exciting for the people who are going. They've been invited to dinners, they've been given gifts, people have already sent them their dua list. You can almost smell the passport Days before you depart, like there's a, there's this excitement. You start getting those dreams where you can't sleep anymore and you find yourself hanging around the Kaaba days before you go. The excitement is surreal. It just reminded me. I, I was telling my wife, I was like, we get to drink as much zumzum as we want. Allah. It just, just two days ago I told her that. 
And it just becomes so real. I've been talking about this with my family for so long. I've been saying that I can't wait to go for Umrah. I really need this. Umrah is my spiritual moment where I get lifted and I find myself clinging on to the Kaaba. And then there are moments where you're standing in front of the Rawdha of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it feels so special. In particular, when I spend my day at the seminary teaching hadith, standing in front of the one whose words I convey, it brings a very humbling and special feeling. And when everything is lined up and you're excited about doing something and you think, you think that you've got everything under control, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds you that you're not the one who controls things. And we get put back in our place. You are rewarded based off of your intentions. And that's something Sheikh Mikail will talk more about and he'll expound on this issue. But don't think that you control all affairs. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may put you in a situation where you are being tested to see whether you actually believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is mudabbir al-amr, the one who controls all affairs and allows things to happen. Or have you started believing in your own means that I have the visa, therefore I have every right to go and no one in the world can stop me. At times in your life, your emotions will drag you to make one decision. But if you were to think of it logically, you will know that you should do something else. You're thinking with your heart and then you're thinking with your mind. The reality is that for me personally, having this discussion with Sheikh Abdul Nasser today regarding the Qalam Umrah group, because the travel agent that we're going with, they said to us that if you guys really want to make it in, we will get you in. If you guys really want that, you say yes to us, and Dar Salaam staff said that we'll get you in. But then the question came that, is this the right thing to do or not? We know we want to go, but is it the responsible thing to do? And when we think about it more, we realize that it was putting the lives and the health of 150 people at risk who entrusted us to be their group leaders, to make those decisions for them. Is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? And then we reflect back over Sira and the lives of the Khulafa, and we find examples where there was an emotional pull and there was an intellectual pull, and the companions were intellectual, they were smart. Umar radiallahu anh is traveling past Sham, and Ta'un Amwas hits in. Amwas was a place outside Quds, and there, it, it was the origin of the great plague of the time. It consumed the lives of great Sahaba. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anh, Abu Ubaid ibn Jarrah radiallahu anh, they died from this plague. And Umar radiallahu anh is passing by Sham, and he stops outside of the, the limits where the plague was, far outside the city. And the people said, won't you enter? And Umar radiallahu anh said, no. They said, why not? Are you running away from the decree of God? He said, I'm running from the decree of God to the decree of God. لَفِرُّ مِنْ قَدَرِ اللَّهِ To the decree of God. And then, Someone quoted a narration of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in that gathering where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if there is a land that is afflicted by a plague, do not enter into it. And those that are inside should not leave it. Quarantine. Those that are outside, be cautious, be smart, be intelligent. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for good health and reflect. This is a reminder for you. Those that are inside, utilize what remains of your life. Do istighfar. Ask Allah for forgiveness. Utilize these moments to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the things that bothers me a lot about this coronavirus situation right now, is that everyone's talking about this virus, and it's just become another point of conversation over lunch and over dinner. This is the first time in my lifetime where I believe the whole world is reflecting over death all at once.
that hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa where he told us to remember death abundantly, the whole world, believers or not, everyone is connected with this hadith at this moment. There are some of us who will actually reflect over the value of our life, what we've done and what needs to be done. And there are others that are just going to make, turn this into another political issue, another issue of policies, another day of making jokes at political figures that are trying to figure it out or maybe not trying to figure it out. That's what it's going to be for them. Another just cycle of, you know, social media problems. And there are those of us that are actually going to make something out of this. So when I think of making that decision and where we sat together and as a team we talked, you know, that what's the right thing to do? What we realized was the right thing to do was to not go for Umrah. And as much as it hurts, and saying those words, not going for Umrah, doesn't roll off the tongue easily. It hurts a lot. But it's the right thing to do. And this is a lesson for us all that, you know, there are times where you may want something, but there's something else that needs to be done. And there is a guidance in Sharia of that. There's intelligence there. There's wisdom there. You're being uh, precautious. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And actually, that's the right thing to do. The second thing is that when I was young, in madrasa, my older brother, Sheikh Mubin, we studied together. He's three years older than me. And um, my fa- we were both young. We both wanted to go for hajj. I was really young. I hadn't even reached the age of puberty. And my father, he said to my brother, you want to go for hajj? Okay, I'll send you. I believe at the time, he couldn't have been more than maybe 15 years old, 16 years old. So he, my dad gave him the money. He found a group in England because that's where we, where we were studying. He signed up with the group. Everything was ready. He was going alone, by the way. No family members with him. He was going for Hajj. There was a group of people, and he was excited. I remember before he went, we were roommates. We slept in the same room in Madrasa, so we packed his bags together. I was really sad as a younger brother because now I would be in the Madrasa alone without my brother. That was a heavy thing for me. He said to me, I'll be making dua for you in the haram. Don't worry, I'll be back very soon. I'll bring gifts for you from Mecca as well. So just put a smile on my face and said, okay, Bar, go ahead, go. So he packed his bags and he left. He got on a coaster, like a, a mini bus, if you want to think of. He hitched a ride from Manchester, where our school was, to London, which is down south. When he got to London, the, the airport he was flying from was Heathrow. He met the group. Everyone was excited. They were all checking in. And right when his turn comes to check in, he realized he forgot his passport. And he called me. He said, Hussein, what do I do? And I said, you stay there. I'll bring it to you. I'll somehow come. I was only 11, 12 years old. I said, I'll figure it out. I'll bring it to you. And he said, Hussein, you're not going to make it here. And I remember on that phone call, the two of us just cried. Because we realized that he wasn't going to go and his dream was about to be shattered. And for me, my brother being sad was also heavy on me. So then my brother, he came back. And I remember when he entered into the room, he was quiet and I was quiet and neither of us had anything to say. And we just sat there and we just, I don't know what we did. I just, I just remember crying, that's it. And I thought of that day today as we were discussing canceling the Umrah and I couldn't help but feel that that's the emotion that many people may have when they come back home. Today, many people are going to come back home and they're just going to be really sad. And I remember my brother crying and him saying that maybe Allah turned me away. Maybe I wasn't worthy of it. Maybe I was trying to take too big of a step. 
And as we went through those maybes, I began to realize how dark it was for him at that time. And I, I didn't have anything better to say. I was young. I didn't know what to say. But today when I reflect over that, I wanted to convey this to all of those that come back home without going. And those of us who have to unpack our bags, because I have to do that too. Mm. We're going to go home and open up that zipper and start putting things back where they belong. In moments like that, don't become so negative in yourself that you begin to take yourself to the worst case scenario. <coughs> you made this decision or you did not end up going to Umrah, not because you're going somewhere else. It's not that I'm not going to go to Umrah because I'd rather go to Cancun. That's not what's happening here. Your heart was sold to go, but however, you were prevented from going for a greater good. For a, going to Umrah, that's benefit for yourself. Not going could be benefit for the Ummah because you're being considerate of people at large. And that's the sort of decisions that you, decision that you'll need to make in your life. I think of the story of Awais al-Qarni. Another great example, you know, some when they would say his name, they say, radiyallahu anhu. Even though he wasn't a sahabi, but he didn't go to meet Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa because he was taking care of someone else. The narration of Hakim, famous one, where he was taking care of his, his mother. Right? So he gave preference to others over himself. You can imagine how heavy that must have been. Yet Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling Umar radiallahu anhu to convey his regards to Uwais al-Qarni and then in one narration also ask him to make dua. So in these moments, shaitan is going to dump negative thoughts into your mind. But just as you had positivity in you when you asked Allah to take you, and Allah facilitated that path, today as easy as it is for you to be negative, reflect over what Shaykh Abdul Nasr was talking about, the story of Hudaybiyah. And how... When they are returning back from Hudaybiyah, Allah reveals the ayah. Which one? Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina. Latadkhulunna al-masjid al-haram insha'Allahu aminin. Like Allah is saying, you did the right thing. You did what we told you to do. And now, leave the rest to us and we will take you. So we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us, our family, our children to haram. For those of you that are low and weak, know that the ummah is here with you. There's no, there's no sorrow that you need to deal with alone. We're all here for you. If you feel like you're struggling internally, I haven't come to terms with this myself yet. I know that the tears are on their way. I know it. And when they do come, it's my responsibility to reach out to the people around me. And for the people around me to come to me and say, we'll get through it together. The whole world is struggling. And inshallah, this moment too will also pass. And maybe one day, very soon in the near future, all of us, We'll be standing in front of the Kaaba together, 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 raising our hands in front of the Kaaba and praying to Allah. Standing in front of the road of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and for those of us who don't make it in the dunya, just be ready for a big hug from the Prophet in the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa taala accept from us all. Sheikh Mikhail, if you have any thoughts, please. Bismillah, salatu salam ala Rasulillah. وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه قال الله تعالى كل يسيبنا إلا ما كتب الله لنا هو مولانا وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أجبا لأمر المؤمن إن أمره كله له خير الحديث like two days ago uh, in Sira class here at Qalam we started to talk about Medina and the moment we started to talk about Medina this hal or kafiya came over me because I started to remember Medina. Allah. And I held myself. I started to choke, but then I was like, you know, no, no, I got to get through the lesson. 
and I'm not going to do it. But for, for those who are going for Umrah, for those who weren't going for Umrah right now, you have to understand that those who had intention to go, it was as if they were going to, to meet the Beloved. They were going to meet their beloved. They were going to cast their gaze on the Kaaba and there is no greater feeling in the dunya than casting the gaze on the Kaaba. The only thing paralleled is going to be ru'ya of Allah in Jannah. Mm. And there was this shok ila liqa. There was this desire and as I think of each individual person, it hurts me because they're not getting to go see the beloved that they wanted to see. And now every other person that they see is going to say, aren't you going for Umrah? And they're going to remember their beloved every time someone asks them, aren't you going for Umrah? And they have to say no. And that's painful, extremely painful. Medina has a feeling as you enter, your heart just starts to get happy. Just as you enter Medina, your heart starts to get happy. And as you get closer to the Prophet ﷺ, the joy just grows and grows and grows. But these moments, brothers and sisters, are moments where our iman is tried. Where we have to, yashuddu ba'duhum ba'da. We have to strengthen one another. And we have to remind each other, I was reading a study in a social psychology class I'm taking that said, you know, if you ever look at the Olympics, when someone wins, you have first place, second place, and third place. And they did this study where they looked at the expressions on the faces of the first person, second place, and third place. And the study concluded that the person who got second place will always have more pain in their face than the person who came in third place. And the reason is because the person who came in second place feels that if I would have just changed one thing, if I would have just adjusted one slight thing, ah, I almost missed it. I And therefore, the pain they feel is way more than the third. Third is like, alhamdulillah, I'm on the member. <laughs> alhamdulillah, I'm up here. But second says, I was so close. Believers, we have a protection. There was no way for us to get that objective. It wasn't written for us. It wasn't. It wasn't written for us. So alleviate the pain by knowing there's nothing I could have done to get there. And the hadith that I want us to remember, we turn to the Qur'an and we turn to the hadith. Why? Because they will give us that solace that we need. Ajaban li amr al-mu'min. The believer has a strange affair, a strange situation. Inna amrahu kullahu lahu khair. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Whether you got there or not, it's all good. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring you back. Insha'Allah. Insha'Allah. Allah will bring you there. You will see it. You will see it, insha'Allah ta'ala. But I want to share something with you. I don't know where I read this. I heard it from a teacher. The Sahaba were praying in jama'ah. There's no clock. We don't know what time they start when everyone gets there. 
They finish the jama'ah and as they finish the jama'ah, they're leaving. And another sahabi's walking in. And he says, did you guys pray jama'ah? He goes, yeah, we just finished. And he goes, oh man. Because he missed it. And the sahabi pulled him to the side, the side and he said, hold on. I'll trade you the reward for my jama'ah, for the reward you got, for the pain that you feel for missing it. I'll trade you the reward. Because the pain you're feeling right now is only because you love Muhammad wasallam and you love Allah more than anything else. And Allah sees that pain. And Allah rewards you for every tear, every feeling, everything you're going through, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rewarding you for whatever it is you're going through. Niyatul mu'min khayrun min amalihi. A salaf, it's not a strong hadith, but niyatul mu'min, your intention is stronger than your action. The scholars say the Prophet ﷺ did four umrah. Alayhi salatu was salam. Even though he actually did three, they say he did four because the one he was stopped from, he received the ajr for that one as well. So, brothers, sisters, this is a hard time for us because we were going home. Vacation is coming. All of us going to see our beloveds. Can we imagine being stopped from that? Very difficult. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the strength to realize that our reward is there. Allah will bring you there, inshallah ta'ala. The pain that you feel is a testimony to the love that you have Allah. for the beloved. And the love you have for wanting to just glance at the Kaaba. Allah. So console your brothers and sisters who aren't going. Console them as if they lost someone because it feels like that. It hurts. It hurts. So hug them, console them, hold their hand, be with them, let them know they're going to make it. Don't worry. Inshallah ta'ala. And may Allah give you the reward for all the pain and suffering you're going through with this being held back. And never ever think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not given me the tawfiq because I wasn't. Nah. The sahaba were held back and we know their, their level. But this is where our, our iman is tested in these moments, guys. This is where the iman is tested. And this is where you say, you know what, Ya Allah, it hurts. I'm going to cry. Our eyes will shed tears. Our heart is going to hurt. But you know what? I'm only going to speak good. I'm only going to say, Alhamdulillah. You're not going for Umrah? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. May Allah give us tawfiq. Anyone you know who's affected, reach out. Please reach out and say, don't worry, you're going to go. Reach out to them. Lazim alayk. Inshallah. Inshallah. Allah give us tawfiq and make it easy for everyone. Inshallah ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this from us. May Allah accept from us our gathering. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make these moments easy for those that are struggling across the world. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows those that are blocked today to have the opportunity to benefit from the blessings of Medina Munawwara. Ameen. May He allow us to benefit from the blessings of Makkah Mukarramah. I want you to make special dua today uh, in your duas after salah. Uh, to you students in particular, I say this to you guys, special dua today for all of those that are stranded at airports today. Mm. Uh, there are people across the world today that are just having a really rough day.
I want you guys to make dua for them. As students of knowledge, you are blessed people. You are, as we would say, the guest of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Each of you has come from far, and you've come to study the deen. You've put your lives on hold for this deen, and I want you to utilize that closeness that you have to Allah now, and raise your hands and make dua for the ummah. Mm-hmm. Today, if you can make dua for the ummah, tomorrow you'll be able to serve them. But today, if you can't raise your hands for the ummah, then tomorrow what service will you offer them? Mm-hmm. Where's the heart? Where's the care? Where's the love? Where's the family? Today, you want you to remember over these next few days that come, many people will miss out on their opportunity to go for Umrah. So make special dua for them. And lastly, um, make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, grants relief to those that are struggling with this illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spreading. Yeah. May Allah grant them shifa if shifa is written for them. If their end is written for them, may Allah make it easy for them. Mm-hmm. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect those who are not caught in this illness. Mm-hmm. Our concern shouldn't be about the stock market or what's happening to the economy. Our, st- our concern should be about the welfare of people. Yeah. Imagine how much, how much it must hurt to be quarantined and not have your beloved ones next to you as you die. Your own wife can't be next to you as you're dying. Your own mother can't be next to you while you're dying. The doctors are terrified of you. The, the nurses are terrified of you. There's already a loneliness attached to death. But then imagine the loneliness where people don't even touch you anymore. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-Matu'unu shaheed. The one who dies from a plague is also a shaheed. Allah May Allah grant them a high maqam of shahada. Amen. With that we close. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts. Subhanallahi bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Akhir da'awana, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.